We mentioned this morning that we'd have a surprise tonight. So we have a surprise preacher tonight. We have McKinley Fate and his family is with us. And many of you know McKinley and is a graduate from Memphis School of Preaching and he worshiped with us for several years here. So it was always good to see him and I'm glad they made it all the way over from Vance, Alabama without getting lost. And we couldn't find the bell to ring. We usually ring the bell to start our Tuesday morning class. So a lot of you know McKinley and the family. If you don't know, be sure and meet them. They're living in Vance, Alabama now where he preaches. And it's a place very familiar to me. It's halfway from, almost from Tuscaloosa to Bessemer. So we're trying to convert him to Alabama, but he says no. But uh, that's a good place. We're glad he, he could come over and spend some time with us. Uh, he's been part of this congregation and he served, served us well while he was here. And now we have the opportunity of listening to him. McKinley. It is good to be back here. Uh, it's been several years uh, since we left. I believe it was 2013 when I graduated from Memphis and we moved to the Northeast Georgia mountains. We're there for four and a half years and been at Vance now for about a year. Uh, one thing that some of you may remember if you were here in 2011, 12, and 13, especially if you went to the Tuesday morning Bible class, Gunner, our youngest son, would always pray the closing prayer of that Bible class that no one would get lost going home. And uh, I don't know if he knows it, knew his audience or what, but he hasn't prayed that prayer since we've left. So uh, I'm not saying that, that he was praying it directly to you, but he hasn't prayed it since we left. The song that we sang before I, I got here, got up here, Oh, How I Love Jesus. You think about the words of that song. There is a name I love to hear. I love to sing its worth. It sounds like music in my ear, the sweetest name on earth. Oh, how I love Jesus. Oh, how I love Jesus. Oh, how I love Jesus because he first loved me. And I want us to think about that theme this evening and think about how much we love Jesus. And I first want us to think about the reason why we love Jesus. In the scripture that, that was read in 1 John chapter 4 and verse 19, John tells us through inspiration why we love Jesus. He says we love him because he first loved us. And you think about the reason there, and the song even says it. We love him because he first loved us. And you think about what he has done for us. And a lot of times when, when we talk about Jesus and, and all that he has done for us, the first thing we think about is that he died for us. But before we can think about him dying for us, we need to think about how he descended for us. Remember where Jesus was before the worlds were created. He was at the right hand of the Father in his rightful place where he belonged. John would say in first John or John rather chapter 1 beginning in verse 1 in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God he was in the beginning with God and all things were made through him that were made and without him nothing was made that was made 
And then verse 14 says, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory, the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Jesus was in heaven, and that's where He belonged. But because of sinful man, He came to this earth. And John chapter 17, in the true Lord's Prayer, Jesus praying to the Father. And in verse 5, He says, O Father, glorify me together with yourself, with the glory which I had with you before the world began, or the world was. That was where Christ belonged, at the right hand of the Father. And we don't have any record of how the conversation went in heaven before the the worlds were created. You know, God, God knows everything, God sees everything, God has foreknowledge. And, and we don't know how the conversation went between the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit about man and after he made man and how man was going to sin and, 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 and how God was going to need that perfect sacrifice. We don't know how it went, but I can tell you how it did not go. I guarantee you that, that when the, the conversation was had of, hey, man's going, we're going, I'm going to create mankind and, and man's going to sin against me and, and, and he's going to violate my holiness and my wrath is going to scream out for justice. And the only way that my wrath can be cooled is if one of us goes in the flesh of man, come, comes in, in, in the likeness of man, in the flesh, and, and, and dies on the cross, sheds our blood for mankind. I guarantee you Jesus did not say, well, I'm not going. How, how about let the Spirit go? Hey, hey, Father, it's your idea. You go. That did not happen. How do I know that? Philippians chapter 2 tells me. Philippians chapter 2, beginning of verse 6, talking about Jesus. It says, who, being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God. He was just like God, and he, he, didn't, he didn't think it was robbery to be equal with God. It says, but he made himself no reputation. He didn't say, but hey, wait a minute, God. I'm just like you. No, he made himself no reputation. Taking on the form of a bondservant, the Bible says, and coming in the likeness of man. Jesus knew that that was going to have to happen. He knew that was going to have to happen one day, and Paul tells the Galatian brethren in Galatians chapter 4 and verse 4, that in the fullness of time, in the fullness of time, when it had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law. The Hebrew writer would write in Hebrews chapter 1, beginning in verse 3, and say, with God, who at various times and in various ways spoke in times past to the fathers by the prophets, but in this last days is spoken unto us by the Son, of whom he has appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the worlds, who being in the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person and upholding things by the word of his power when he had himself purged our sins, sat down at the right hand of the majesty upon high. That was Christ. He descended for me. Paul would tell the brethren in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, and verse 9, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that you through his poverty might become rich. Jesus was rich. Jesus was in heaven next to the Father. 
at the right hand of the Father. And he became poor and came to this earth for us, for you and for I. He descended for me. He loves me. And not only did he descend for me, he also died for me. Remember as he was talking to his apostles in John chapter 15, verse 13, Jesus says, Greater love has no man than this, than to lay down his life for his friends. Jesus was going to do that for you and I. He was was ready to, to lay his life down for us. Wasn't without challenges. You can go and read about the what Jesus went through in the garden. It had its challenges. But he still was ready to lay his life down for us. Paul would write to the brethren in, in Rome. And in Romans chapter 5, beginning in verse 6, he would say, For when we were still without strength, Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely a, a, for a righteous man one will die, yet perhaps for a good someone would dare to die. But God demonstrates, that that word demonstrates there is continual. Every day God demonstrates his love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. We didn't deserve it. There's nothing that we did to deserve Christ on that cross. But he did that for us. We, We weren't good. We weren't righteous. We were sinners. And Christ went to that cross anyway. And he died for us. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, beginning of verse 14. The Bible says, For the love of Christ compels us, because we judge thus that if one died for all, then all died. And he died for all, and that those who live should live no longer for themselves, but for him who died for them and rose again. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 9 through 10 says, For God did not appoint us to wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, that whether we wake or sleep, we should live together with him. He did that because the only way that we could be bought back, redeemed, in other words, to God is through Christ's blood. Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 7. Paul writing to the brethren at Ephesus. And he says, in him we have redemption. That buying back. In him we have redemption. How? How? We have the redemption, we have that forgiveness of sins. How? Through his blood. Through his blood. That's what we have in Christ Jesus because of his death, burial, and resurrection. Did Jesus, as we we talked about, Jesus struggling with this, knowing he was coming to earth to do this, but he came to earth 100% man, and 100% deity. Some people get it wrong and say, well, he was half man, half deity. No, he was 100% man, 100% deity. How did that work? I don't know. I can't explain it. I can just tell you that's exactly what it was. And as the man's side fought against the deity side in the garden, Jesus prayed in Mark chapter 14. And he uses the terminology Abba, Father. That word Abba, the only time that Jesus ever called the Father that. 
Abba, Father, is found in Mark chapter 14. And, and from my understanding, that word is, is Aramaic for daddy. Now, it wasn't disrespectful. Some people, you know, some people want to talk to God like you know, he's their best friend and go, hey, daddy. No, we, can't, we have to be reverent to God. But he was using that intimate term, Abba, to the Father for the first time and the only time we have in recorded history. And he uses that and he says, Abba, Father, all things are possible with, with, are for you. Take this cup away from me. He asked him multiple times. He did not, he, he's seeing the cross. The man's side said, hey, I don't want to go through this now. I've thought about it and, and the man's side's going, I don't want to do it. But the deity side saying, I know I've got to. I know I've got to, and that's why he would say, nevertheless, not my will, but your will. A lot of times we don't do that. A lot of times when we pray to the Father, we go, Father, give me, give me, give me what I want, and we never say, but it's not my will, it's your will. I heard it said recently, if we ever pray, when, if, if I never want to dis, be disappointed when I pray, just simply pray for God's will to be done. Number one, number two, that in everything, God's name will be glorified. And if I pray that, I'll never be disappointed in my prayer. I'll always get what I want because his will will always be done and his name will, should be glorified in everything that happens, whether in life or death. Jesus says, not my will, but your will. And then the Bible says in verse 41 of Mark chapter 14 that he came to the third time and said to the apostles, those three, Peter, James, and John, he says, are you still sleeping and resting? It is enough. The hour has come. Behold, the, man of, the Son of Man rather is being betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise and let us be going. See, my betrayer is at hand. Jesus knew what was pending. And because he loved us, he went through that death on the cross. We see the reason to love Jesus is because he first loved us. But now let's think about the response to loving Jesus. What is the response? My res should be my response to loving Jesus. Easily. I need to become obedient. How do I do that? Well, Jesus says in John chapter 14 and verse 15, if you love me, keep my commandments. People will sing that song all day long, Oh, how I love Jesus. They'll even put it on Facebook. And the very next post, it'll be something worldly, something ungodly. Or they'll do something ungodly. And go, hey, I love Jesus. But they're not keeping his commandments. And what did Jesus say? If you love me, keep my commandments, John 14, 15. Remember when, he, when we just talked about in John chapter 15 and verse 13 when he says, greater love has no man than this than to lay down his life for his friends? The very next verse he says, and you are my friends if you do whatever I've commanded you. I can be the friend of God. I can be the friend of the Savior. How? By just saying it, putting it on Facebook, getting likes on Facebook, reposting on Facebook or, or whatever social media I want to. No, that's not it. It's by keeping his commandments. Second John, verse 6. John says, this is love. 
that we walk according to his commandments. This is the commandment that, I, that, that you have heard from the beginning that you should walk in it. I need to become obedient. The, the, the response is becoming obedient, keeping his commandments and keeping them all. Obeying the gospel. Many people today, sadly, and as we live in a, a, a world of complete religious confusion and you have uh, religious organizations everywhere, and, and sadly, most of them are, are teaching uniformly about God's plan of salvation, except it's not God's plan of salvation, it's man's plan of salvation. And they're saying all you have to do is accept Jesus into your heart as your personal Savior and say a sinner's prayer. Folks, you can't find that in the Bible. From the time in, in Mark chapter 16 and verse 15 when Jesus said, go into all the world, preach the gospel to every creature, you don't see anybody going, all you have to do is accept Jesus in your heart and say this special prayer after me. Not one time. Why? Because that was not God's plan. That's something man come up with almost 1,800 years after the death of Jesus. We need to become obedient to the gospel. In Luke chapter 6 and verse 46, Jesus says, But why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do the things which I say? So many people do that even today. How do I obey the gospel? Where do I go to find out what the gospel is? Well, James would say in James chapter 1 and verse 21, to lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted or the engrafted word, as the King James says, the engrafted or implanted word that, which is able to save your soul. If I want to know how to be obedient to God, I, I, I can... Turn on the TV and ask man. I can Google it, but the best way I can do it is just to open the Word of God and find out what the Word of God says so that I can become obedient to Him in obeying the gospel. In Matthew chapter 11, in verse 15, these are the words of Jesus Christ. Jesus says, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. So Jesus says, I need to hear the words of Jesus Christ. He would say in John chapter 8 and verse 20, 24, Therefore I say to you that you will die in your sins. If you do not believe that I am, you will die in your sins. In other words, if you don't believe that I am the great I am, you're going to die in your sins. You must believe. Then he says in Luke chapter 13 and verse 3, I tell you, nay, except you repent, you shall likewise perish. Then he says in, in Matthew chapter 10 and verse 32, that if I confess him before men, that he'll confess me before the Father. Many places will stop right there. And they'll say, that's all you have to do to be saved. But listen to the words of Jesus. Mark 16, 16, he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. He that believeth not shall be condemned. A couple of years ago, I was, went to a tent meeting up in Rabin County when we were still there. 
And it was put on by several denominations. And so I went on a Tuesday night, and, and they had a, a, a man who was very high up. He was the vice president of evangelism for the state of Georgia in that certain denomination. And he stood up, and he talked, and, and I listened to his sermon, and I had some issues, you know, two issues actually with his sermon. One, he says you can be out of fellowship with God and still go to heaven. And I asked him afterwards, I said, have you not read 1 John? Because that's all that book talks about is being in fellowship with God. And, and so I don't see how you can be out of fellowship with God and still go to heaven. But then at the end of his sermon, he said that if you want to, to, to be saved, all you have to do is accept Jesus in your heart as your personal Savior and say this prayer after me. And they went through the ritual. Had uh, you know, all heads bowed, all eyes closed, you know, and all, all that good stuff. And, and after it's over with, I'm just talking to him one-on-one. -on -one. I didn't want to cause a scene. And I asked him to show me in the Bible where that's at. And he says, what do you mean, why? Why do you want to know this? I said, well, I'm just, just curious. You, you said it, so I just want a, a verification. I want, to know, I want to make sure I'm going to heaven. And so can you show me, because that's not what I did. He looked at me, and he said, what are you getting at? And I said, well, where does baptism come in play? He said, are you Church of Christ? I said, sir, I'm a Christian. He said, I understand that, but do you go to the Church of Christ? I said, yes, sir, I'm a member of the Lord's body. And can you tell me where baptism fits in this whole scenario? And he said, well, the thief on the cross wasn't baptized. And I'm holding my Bible, and I, I, I gently slide it toward him, and I said, prove it doesn't matter if he was baptized or not. That was under the old law. I know that, but I just wanted to see if he could prove the statement he was making. And you would have thought I'd slapped his mother right in front of him because he just got this bewildered look on his face. Well, what do you mean prove it? I said, well, you made that assumption, so I want you to prove it. And I said, but it doesn't really matter if he was baptized. That was on the other side of the cross. And we're on this side of the cross. And Jesus said, he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. He said, son, baptism doesn't save you. And I said, well, either you are lying or Peter's lying. But one of you is lying because Peter says it does. And I said, I'm not saying that, that baptism alone saves us. We still have to hear, believe, repent, confess, and be baptized. And he says, well, let me ask you a question. If, if you're studying with someone and they say they want to be baptized, and you've heard this one. I know you have. And you're going to the building and you wreck and die and, and that person dies. Are they going to heaven or hell? I said, sir, I'm going to answer that with a question. I said, say a man's in a bar. And, and he's sitting in that bar and he's contemplating Jesus Christ. And he realized that Jesus is the Savior, that, that, that he did die, that he was buried and he rose again according to the scriptures. And he, he sets his beard down, and that's his part of his repentance. And, and he turns his bar stool over to his best friend sitting next to him. Before he could confess Christ, he falls out with a heart attack and dies. Is that man going to heaven? He said, absolutely. I said, so obviously confession doesn't matter. Well, no, you've got to confess him. I said, but that man didn't. Does he, is he going to heaven? He says, yes. And I said, well, let me ask you another question. He said, no, I'm done with your questions. You know where I'm going with this. I was going to go through repentance and then a belief 
And before it was over with, I was going to have him in a corner where he was going to have to say, according to his logic, that atheists were going to heaven. But that's where his logic was going. Folks, if I am going to be obedient to Christ, if I'm going to obey the gospel, I must obey the gospel the way God says I need to obey the gospel. Not the way man says. And that gospel, Paul tells the Corinthian brethren, is the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 4. Not only do I obey the gospel, but I also need to be obedient to death. That, that verse in, in Revelation that we know so very well, Revelation chapter 2 and verse 10, Be thou faithful unto death, and I will give you a crown of life. Well, we know that verse, and we know what that means. I need to be faithful. And some people say, I need to be faithful up until the day I die. Well, if you go back to the original language, that verse, what Jesus is saying there, be faithful even if it means you're going to die. Even if you're looking death in the eye, you remain faithful. And that's what I need to do. John would, would write in 1 John chapter 1, beginning of verse 7, if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, the blood, uh, uh, or rather we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ his Son cleanses us from every sin. He says if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. He says, but if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins, to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Now wait a minute i got to be walking in the light, and he continues to cleanse me, then if I say I have no sins, why do I need to confess my sin? And sometimes it would get, wait a minute, I don't understand it. In other words, if this middle row right here was the light, as long as I'm walking in that light, there may be a sin that crosses my mind. As long as I don't venture out of that light, his blood's going to cleanse me of that sin. But if I intentionally go, hey, I know that's where I need to be going, but I'm going over here to have a little fun. Hey, I've stepped out of the bounds of the light. Therefore, I need to come back and confess my sins. James would say in James chapter 4, verse 17, confess your faults one to another, pray for one another. When I step out of that light, I need to come back and confess, whether it's private or public, I need to do that. Remember what Peter said in 2 Peter chapter 1? Peter talked about us growing. And he, and he talked about things that we could do to make sure we never leave that light, if you will. And, and as he's going through this, go ahead and turn your Bibles to, to it with me. First, first Peter, or 2 Peter chapter 1. And he gives his introduction there in verse 1. And, and he says in verse 3, he says, As... His divine power has given us all things that pertain to life and godliness through him who called us by glory and virtue, by which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises, that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. He says in verse 5, But also for this very reason, giving all diligence, add to your faith Virtue, to virtue, knowledge, to knowledge, self-control, to self-control, perseverance, to perseverance, godliness, to godliness, brotherly kindness, 
to brotherly kindness, love, for if these things are yours and abound, he says, you will neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For he who lacks these things is short-sighted even to blindness and has forgotten that he was cleansed from his old sins. He says, therefore, brethren, be even more diligent to make your call and election sure. For if you do these things, what things? Adding, as he was talking about, growing. He says, if you do these things, you will never stumble. If I'm continuing to add to my faith all these other things, I'm going to continue to be walking in the light. That's going to be my focus. And that's what we need to make sure we're doing in the response to loving Jesus. But last, very quickly, we've looked at the reason and the response, but now what about the reward? What about the reward for loving Jesus? Well, the reward for loving Jesus is that beautiful place called heaven. 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 9, Paul says, but, I, but it is written, I has not seen nor ear heard nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. Folks, I don't know exactly what heaven's going to look like. I don't think the human language can tell us how beautiful heaven's really going to be. The Holy Spirit through John tried his best to put it in, in, in our language in Revelation. But I don't think that even does it justice. It, 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 we, we talk about the streets of gold, walking down the streets of gold. We're not going to have human bodies like we have now. And, and, and I can't even imagine how beautiful think, colors and, and things that we have not seen with our human eyes, we're going to see there. But the main reason is because Jesus is there and God is there. Jesus says in John chapter 14, beginning in verse 1, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. He says, I go to prepare a place for you. If I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again to receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. How many days did it take God to create this beautiful world we have? Six. I'm not saying heaven's not ready. Some people go, heaven's already ready. I like to think he's still preparing it because that's how beautiful it's going to be. If he could create all this in six days, and, and, and for how many thousands of years now, the, the earth has been in existence, and, and for 2,000 years, he says, I'm going to, 2,000 years ago, I'm going to prepare a place for you. If he's still preparing it, folks, wow. That's all I can say of how beautiful it's going to be. It may already be prepared, but he says, I'm going to prepare it. I like to think he's still working it because it's going to be that beautiful, and it's going to be that perfect, and he is there. 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse 11. Peter would write, For so an entrance will be supplied to you abundantly. I've heard people say, Well, hey, if I can just sneak in the gate into heaven, I'll be happy. Folks, there ain't going to be no sneaking in. Peter said, It's there abundantly. Oh, I just want one of those little mansions. It's there abundantly, folks. It's there, just waiting on us to be faithful to God 
and live a life loving him. I said the reason it's going to be perfect is because God's there. John would write in the Revelation, John chapter 21. He would say, beginning in verse 1, Now I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. There was also no more sea. Then I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. Paul's there. Guys, do you, those who are married, do you remember your wedding day? Do you remember how much preparation you put in to the wedding day? I remember mine. I woke up and looked at my watch and thought, oh man, I'm going to be late. There wasn't much preparation. Throw on the tux, get out the door, hair's halfway decent. Of course, it wasn't hard to get my hair to look good. But ran out the door and I get there right before we're ready to start. Stephanie, on the other hand, what did she do? For months, ladies. You remember your wedding. Planning that wedding. Us guys, we could, hey, we're like, okay, you, you handle that. But the ladies picking out the dress, the invitations had to be perfect. Had to know who all was coming. And it was, you, you, you took time to prepare for that wedding. And John, as he's describing heaven, he says it, that, it, that God had prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And he says, I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with, with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people. God himself will be with them and be their God. We use the expression, I can't wrap my mind around it. Folks, I can't. I want to, but I can't wrap my mind around being in front of my Creator for eternity. I can't wait, but I can't wrap my mind around it here on this earth. He says, and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and there shall be no more death nor sorrow, nor crying. There shall be no more pain, for the former things are passed away. Think about those that, that we love, we've lost. And I understand, uh, still keeping up with this congregation, we've lost a lot over the years since I've left from this congregation that were dear to me and my family. But in heaven, it's not going to be that. I know, I know from, from experience the sorrow that, that we go through each and every day of just living life, but in heaven, there's going to be none of that. I know the tears that can be shed, but in heaven, God will wipe them away and there will be no more crying. Oh, how I love Jesus. Oh, how I love Jesus. Oh, how I love Jesus because he first loved me. The question is tonight is, do you love him? When we sang that song a, a few moments ago, could you sing it and, and be truthful about it? Or was you just singing it because you knew the words and really didn't put the meaning to it? 
Do you love him? Have you been obedient to him by obeying the gospel? If the case is that, that you're sitting here tonight and you're going, look, I, I want to love him and I want to start loving him tonight because I want to become a Christian, there are folks here that will help you, assist you in becoming a Christian tonight. We've already went over this plan of salvation. We've already saw the verses on hearing, believing, repenting, confessing, and being baptized to be saved, to have your sins washed away, Acts 20, 22 and verse 16. Maybe, maybe the case that you're here and you're going, yeah, I've already done that, preacher, but, but you know, I'm, I'm not where I'm supposed to be. I've already obeyed the gospel, but either sin of commission or sin of omission has, has come between me and God. And I'm no longer serving him faithfully. Paul would write to the Corinthian brethren in 2 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 8. And he would say, therefore I urge you to reaffirm your love to him. May be the case that you've got sin in your life. And you need to reaffirm your love to him by getting rid of that sin. By confessing that sin publicly. It may be the case that you just need the prayers of the church. We're here to pray with you and pray for you. If you need anything at all, Brother Billy's going to lead us in an invitation song. Will you not come while together we stand and while we sing?